morning again. This morning's text is going to be coming from Titus 2. I'm going to read verses 2. I'm going to, I'm going to read from chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And the text is going to focus on verse 3. So again, that is Titus 2, verses 1 through 10. It says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so, and so train the younger women or the young women to love their husbands and children, to be, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching, show integrity dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior." Amen. You can be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we approach your word this morning with humble hearts. Lord, eager to hear what you have to say to us. Father, I ask that I would decrease, that you would increase, that I would speak only what you have given me to speak and nothing else that the truth of God's word will be spoken this morning, that your people will be exhorted. And Lord, that those who don't know you may repent and believe in your name. Father, we pray all these things in the name of your son. Amen. So this morning, we're continuing our series through Titus preached two sermons through it already, and the last time we preached, I was, or the last, not not last time we preached, but the last time I preached in Titus, we were in verse 2, and we addressed the, the older men, and last time I said I was going to address the younger men next, but then as I studied, I decided to go along with the flow of the text, and we'll be dealing with the older women, and then the young, and the younger women. And though I'm primarily dealing with the older women this morning, the younger women should, play, should pay close attention as well since they are to be modeling, or you are to be modeling, the older women. So this, this text will be in, in two parts. So this week I'm going to preach on, or primarily on older women, and then next week on younger women. And I do want to say that it's a pleasure to be able to address the older women of this church. Many of you have been a blessing to me, have encouraged me in many ways, and and love me, and I'm very thankful for that. 
And as I studied the text, I, I praise God that, that what Paul calls older women to be, for this congregation at Green Run, I trust and I'm confident that this is much more of a reminder than a rebuke. It's things that Paul is calling us to this morning. And it's especially good to be reminded of these things because just as I said with men, women are under attack in this culture and have been for a long time. The world hates godly, feminine women. Movements such as radical feminism mock God's beautiful design in which men and women have been created to be different. Women are encouraged to be masculine rather than feminine, to murder unborn children, and to scoff at the idea of being a helpmate to their husbands. Unfortunately, feminism has also crept into the church. Many no longer believe in the separate roles and, and marriage between men and women, and as Pastor Dave can say, the word submit has become a Christian cuss word. In our godless society, we are encouraged, or women are encouraged to be immodest, to put much of their value in how they look and how they dress, to be obscene in their talk. You only have to see or, or, or watch a, a comedy these days to see that. I could go on. This pattern, or this is the pattern of the world, but what does the word of the living God have to say about these things? How are women, particularly older women in this verse, supposed to be set apart? How are you to be holy in this world? Well, Paul provides us with the answer in verse 3 of Titus 2. It reads, older women are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanderers, not slaves to much wine. Instead, they are to teach what is good. And this morning, we're going to examine each of these separately. So the verse says, it says, begins, it says, older women, and this would be any or likely any woman that is above the age of 60 or they're past their childbearing years or they raise children that are now outside the home. That is who is specifically being addressed. But it says, older women likewise, so in a similar way or in a similar manner to the older men, are to be reverent in their behavior. This word reverent, according to strong concordance, means to be of sacred character. It means to be holy. One whose life is rendered to the service and worship of God. Whatever the world looks like, these women are, going to, are supposed to be on the opposite end of the spectrum. I think a great example of a reverent woman, there's many throughout Scripture, but I think Anna is a good example of one, especially that of an older woman. We read about her in Luke 2, 36-38. It says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, 
worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is a woman who prayed day and night in the temple, and when the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, was born, she was speaking of his excellencies to those who had been awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem, who had been awaiting for Christ. Or awaiting Christ. What a, what a great example of an older, reverent woman. But looking back at verse 3, it says, Older women are to be reverent in behavior or reverent in the way that they live. This, this word behavior or demeanor, it, it, it suggests an outward expression of an inward character. What is on the inside is going to manifest itself on the outside. And the inside is holy. The outside is going to be holy. The Apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says in 1 Peter 3.3, Do not let your adorning be external. Basically, don't, don't be known for how you externally dress yourself. And in this context, it was the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or clothing that you wear. But he says, let your adorning be, of the, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty, the things that last, the eternal things. The imperishable beauty of what? A gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. The principle here is that godly women are are not to wear outer clothing that, that draws, or just clothing that draws unnecessary or unhealthy attention to themselves. In this text, it could be clothing that is either overly extravagant or, or expensive or clothing that could be provocative. A woman's adornment should point not to themselves, but to God. They should not be known for what they wear, but for what they do. They should be known for their good works. So you, you are to seek to adorn yourselves not with what is precious in the eyes of the world, but what is precious in the eyes of God. Now, when we look at this, this is certainly not saying that women should not adorn themselves nicely or anything of that nature. God has made women beautiful, and they are to adorn themselves. There's nothing wrong with looking nice. But how are we to do so, or how are women to do so? 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10 says, with respectable apparel, with modesty, and with self-control. So as we meditate on this, I would just, you should, could just ask yourself this. Am I overly focused on my external appearance? Or am I seeking to adorn myself in holiness and good works in order to glorify Christ? That is the point that is being made here. But continuing in the text, not only are older women to be reverent in the way that they dress and in their demeanor, how they carry themselves, but also you are to be reverent in your speech. Paul says not slanderers. Not slanderers. And in the Greek, this word is diabolos. And this means one who is a false accuser with the intention to malign, to tear down or destroy the character or reputation of another. This word diabolos is where we get the English word devil 
referring to Satan. So when you slander someone, you are being most like the devil who is a slanderer by his very nature. That is what slanderer means. It means devil. We see in John 8.44 that being a slanderer is akin to being a child of the devil. This is how those who have not been redeemed behave. John 8.44, speaking to the Pharisees, Jesus says, You are of your father the devil. That's scathing. He says, You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. And hear this. This is key. And does not stand in the truth. Because what? There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. This is a strong warning to those who are, as some texts say, malicious gossips. Again, when you slander, you act as an unbeliever. You are bringing destruction upon yourself. Psalm 101.5 says, Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, so is going behind somebody's back and, 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 just, and speaking lies about them. Or really, it might be something, I think it could be something true, but you're going in there with the intention of telling somebody something about another person to tear them down. Don't repeat rumors. I think that's a good Something good for us to think about. We hear something, let's make sure it's true if we're going to speak on it. That's why the Old, Old Testament said by the evidence of two or three witnesses, should we, should we condemn somebody? So just don't hear something and go and repeat it. Basically, just don't, just don't slander, don't speak lies. But the verse continues, it says, him I will destroy slander, and it says, no one who has a haughty look and an arrogant heart, I will endure. First Peter 3.16 says that those who slander will be put to shame, and Proverbs 12.22 says that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Furthermore, being a slander is among the list of grievous sins. We read in Romans 1, 29 through 31, it says they were filled with all manner of righteous, unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're, in, they're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God. If you are a slanderer, you are the same as one who is a hater of God. Insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Church, older women, the tongue can be a dangerous thing. It's, it's so small, but it is lethal. It is lethal. We see this. If you would like, you can turn or you can just listen. But in James chapter 3, verses 6 through 10. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set 
among our members, staining the whole body, staining the entire body, setting on the fire, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. It doesn't get tired. It can go on all day long. It is full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, my brothers, these things ought not be so. These things ought not be. So how are we to use the tongue? How should we use it? Well, older women, how are you to be reverent in your speech? Well, by putting off the old self and putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not always easily executed, but it is simple. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 5, it says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And after listing sins that characterize a believer's former life in verse 8, he says, Now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. From your mouth, do not lie on one another, seeing that you have what? That you have put off the old self. You have put off the old self with its practices. And have what? Put on the new self, which is being renewed. It's a process. It's being renewed and what? In knowledge after the image of its creator. So continue to put on Christ. Continue to put on Christ. Let his word dwell in you richly so that when you speak, you speak the words of Christ and not that of Satan. Follow after Paul's words in Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you know how to answer every man. That your speech will be edifying, that it will be exhorting, that it will be building up, that you would speak grace to the hearer. Speak what builds up. Next. Says older women ought to be reverent, but not giving over to much wine or being slaves to much wine. In simple words, it says do not be drunk. Now, we do know that this text is not forbidding drinking, period. But we have other scriptures that make it clear that drinking in moderation is, is fine. But what is clear is that drunkenness is condemned throughout scripture. And why? Mainly because of what it does to the mind. It causes one to lose control of their mind, to lose the ability to stay alert, to be watchful. As the Bible says, what? Watch and pray. But the mind cannot be filled with Christ if we are not in our right mind. Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but what? The opposite, be filled with the Spirit, be controlled by the Spirit. So that means you can't be drunk with wine and filled with the Spirit at the same time. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded. 
But be watchful. Why? Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone who devour. Peter knew this better than anybody because Jesus told him that Satan desired to sift him like wheat. And he desires to do that to all of us. But your mind must be alert if you're going to go to war with the devil. If you're going to fight this spiritual battle, because remember, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the rulers of this dark world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Just like with slander and immodesty, drunkenness marks those, again, who are of the world. The context of Titus that we are supposed to be set apart from the world. We're living what? With a course to sound doctrine. But again, drunkenness marks those that are of the world. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 8. For you are all children of light. Children of the day. We are not of the night or of dark or the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and what? Be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, or since you could say since we belong to Christ, let us what? Be sober. Having put on what? The breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So older women or any or all Christians or all of us for that fact are not to be slaves to wine, but what? Slaves to Christ. If you're in Christ, you are a slave to him positionally already. Look, the, de- the devil is, is, he's sneaky. He's sneaky. He uses anything. He'll use sorrow. He'll use pain. He'll use depression or other things that might tempt us to seek wine, to, to heal the soul. If anyone here that's a believer were going to be given over to wine, I'm sure that would, or I would think those would be some of the reasons to do so. To forget the hard things in life. But let us go to the Lord in prayer to be healed, for him to comfort us, for him to heal the soul. Let him be our comfort. But we spent much time on what older women should not be or, or do. But what are older women to be doing? What should you be doing? The end of first the end of verse three. Teach what is good. Teach what is good. And as we will see more next week, older women are to teach primarily the young women. Older women, you are essential to the health of this church. You are essential to the health of this church and the advancement of the kingdom of God. You are tasked in using your wealth of experience and wisdom to teach young women, many who will be raising the next generation. And those who will not be raising children will be influencing the world in many other ways for the kingdom of God. The younger women need you. What, what a high calling. 
What a high calling that Christ has given you. As I remember speaking to the older men that you're saying that sometimes you might think your best days are behind you. That is not true. Your best days are not behind you. There is much work still to be done. But what does it mean to, to teach in this sense? I think it's important to go over this for a moment. Because we, we know it does not mean that women are to teach over the congregation in, in any official capacity. 1 Timothy 2.12 says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And to be clear, the context of this verse is how both women and men should conduct themselves in the household of God. So it does not mean that women can never teach men in any setting. If that were true, Aquila or Priscilla could not have taught with her husband, Apollos, the things of God. But God has set up an order within the church. Men and women are equal in value, but God has made us differently and given us different roles. Therefore, because of that, a woman is not to take the role of a pastor or preach and teach within the congregation. And why? Just really quick, because in 1 Timothy 2, 12 and 13, it says, or, the, or verse 13, already not to teach, it's the created order. That's what is grounded. God has a order. It says, for Adam was formed first and then Eve. So it is for all time and is for all and is universal. So now with that out of the way, we, there, are, there, are, there are many gifted women to teach or many women who are gifted to teach, I should say, and of course be able to teach children and other women in the church in an official capacity. But the teaching being instructed here is not so much formal, but informal. It's not so much formal, but informal. This is the type of teaching that comes from getting deeply involved in one another's lives. This is the part of what this is part of what Pastor Dave has been referring to in this series on the inconvenient church. That in a positive way, we inconvenience ourselves. Why? For the sake of loving one another. And the older women are going to, if you're going to teach what is good, if you're going to teach what is good. You must first know what is good. And that, of course, applies to all of us. So, older women, my encouragement to you is to continue to immerse or to immerse yourselves or, again, continue to immerse yourselves in the word of God. Fill your mind with it. Growing in grace and knowledge. So when you speak to young women, you can tell them, thus saith the Lord. We don't speak our own opinions, but what God says. So by both word and deed, you are to teach. By both word and deed, you are to teach the younger women. Older women, my challenge to you this morning is to start praying. Start, start praying about some of the younger women that you can reach out to to help serve and, and, and teach. And it can begin with anything. It can be helping them around the house, their house, helping them with children, with their children. Be just sitting and, and talking about life and the word of God over a cup of coffee. 
invite younger women into your home so they can witness your godly behavior. Younger women, begin praying about older women in this church who you would like to be mentored by. Approach them, pray about it. And church, why are we to do these things? Why? Older women, why are you to behave in, in, a, in a holy manner? Why are you to be holy as God is holy? Why are you to teach the younger women? Well, first, one, at the end of verse five, why? So that the word of God may not be reviled. That the word of God may not be reviled. And we'll see that more next week. In second, verse 10, verse 10. Which, kind of, which almost sums up this section, but it says, so that in everything, in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. So our holy behavior, our holy behavior is a gospel witness. Our holy behavior is a gospel witness to an unbelieving world. It's a gospel witness. And older women, younger women, or anyone else here this morning, I spoke that it is a gospel witness. So it would not make much sense for me to not tell you what the gospel is. So those of you who do not know the Lord, cry out to Christ, cry out to Jesus. Stop living for yourself and live for him. Turn away from your sins. Flee the Christ today. Repent of your sins and turn to the one who lived a perfect life that you can't. He never sinned, never disobeyed the Father. And he went to the cross dying the death that you deserve because of your rebellion against him. And then in all victory, in all power, he rose from the dead that anyone, anyone who would repent and believe in his name will be saved, will be saved this very hour. So cry out to him right now. Don't don't wait till you get home. Don't wait till next week. Death could be at any moment. Death could be at any moment. If anyone wants to know more about Christ, if you have any questions about anything I said, I'll be up here after the service, so please feel free and come talk to me. But don't put off the eternal things. Don't put off what is eternal. Repent. Come to Christ. And older women, my my final encouragement to you is similar to what I said to the older men. I told, I encouraged older men to set the pace for the entirety of of the church. Older women, set the pace for the young women. Set the pace. Set the pace. Let the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, who he is and all that he has done, his sacrificial love for you, calls you to sacrificially love one another, to sacrificially love the young women of this church. And I'm not saying that we don't already, but let's do it more. Let's do it more. Let that be the driving force for us to be holy Before the Lord. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I, I know it does not turn void. Father, there is so much within this text. I'm sure, I did not even scratch the, the surface of it. But Father, I do pray that your people have heard something of what you want them to hear. And that we will go out seeking to obey it with joy. With joy. With the joy of Christ. With the one who has redeemed us. Father, those who don't know you, that they will hear your words, that they will humble themselves, and they will repent and believe the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray all these things in the name of your son. Amen.